This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Time for a podcast on a Friday morning. We'll have this out this afternoon. Lots going on, even though it doesn't seem like a lot going on. Buda Baker signing the highest pay. He will be the highest paid safety in the NFL with his new contract extension. Savan Ahmed joins a former teammate, uh, new commit from University of Washington, who was one time signed uh, by USC. A little bit of basketball, a little bit of recruiting. We'll update it all. So uh, busy week for the pro dogs, Chris, led off by Buda Baker. Close to $15 million a year. Chris, we've known Buddha for a long, long time. I mean, you've known him since what, the eighth grade? Um, yeah. We knew, we knew he was special back then, but if I would have told you he was going to be the highest paid safety at some point in the NFL, what would you have said? Well, I mean, that's a pretty audacious thing when you're talking about that kind of money. And yeah, I mean, the odds probably wouldn't have been great, but would I have ever put it past a guy like Buddha? Heck no. I mean, that guy is, is driven. I mean, that's the one thing you know about him. He's driven. I mean, Chris, guys like Chris Peterson are talking about how you want a guy like that in your team because he practices how everybody wants to play. And when you hear that, then you know you've got a special guy in your hands. And so, yeah, four years, 57 or $59 million contract, making him the highest paid safety. Now, again, you look at guys like Jamal Adams now in Seattle and some of these other safeties that are out there, um, we'll see how long that, that record lasts. I mean, cause you know, the, these contracts only go one way and that's up. But, uh, for right now, Buda Baker is the highest paid safety in the NFL. And I think it's well, it's well deserved. I mean, you're talking about a pro bowler. Yep. You're talking about a guy that can pretty much do it all. Uh, as far as a defensive back, you can put him, put him pretty much anywhere and nothing that we don't already know. Chris, we've known Buda for a long time. We know that, um, his mom has had some, um, pretty significant medical issues. Um, his brother uh, killed last year or the year before recently. But, you know, Buddha's first contract, it was a three-year, $6.9 million deal. You wind up getting about half of that. Well, it seems like a lot of money. It's not huge money to do a lot of things that he's going to be able to do now. And with the contract he signed for $30 million, I'm guessing he's probably going to buy mom a house. What do you think? Oh, he could buy her a house and a car and anything, anything else she wants. Um, he can buy yeah, her a couple yeah. houses. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say the, the the thing about it is, and, and any Washington fan that also follows a lot of what the Pro Dogs are doing, they understand that it's not the rookie contract that makes you the money; it's the second contract. And so this is this is the second contract for Buddha, and he's sef- he's definitely going to make it pay. And you know, don't be surprised if uh, his mom isn't the only one that's getting. Uh, 
some stuff because uh, he, he's going to have a little bit of coin now to move it around. And as we all know, um, you know, Buddha is not necessarily a guy that is a real, you know, he's never been a super flashy guy. He's never been a guy that's been about that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, now that he has it, he can, he can start um, salting some away for his retirement and do all that kind of stuff and, and keep playing because we know those NFL pensions too are awfully nice. Hey, Scott, you saw Buddha quite a bit in high school and obviously at UW. And I was always, always, always just Jones and, you know, Chris Peterson. Put him on the other side of the ball. Put the ball in his hands a little bit. How well do you think he would have been over on the offensive side of the ball? Because I remember asking him about, you know, Coach Pete putting him into return kicks. And he, he would just light up. But uh, he was pretty dynamic with the ball in his hands as well. He was as a, as a high schooler, definitely. And I think he did get one play, uh, either a reception or it was a reverse or something like that. And it was, went for negative yards. That was his only play on offense that I remember uh, for the University of Washington. So no, yeah, he, he, Buda Baker would have been successful on any side of the ball in college, wherever he went, but his future was on defense. He's got great instincts. The one thing that he doesn't do well, I think of, he does everything else above average or elite. Um, the one thing I think is below average is his hands and which are surprising because I think he has pretty good hands, but he only had, I want to say two or three interceptions. I could be wrong at the university of Washington. And so far in two seasons at uh, Arizona, he has no interceptions. So um, that's probably his biggest drawback. Yeah, what's the saying? You know, the best wide receivers on the team are overplaying defensive backs because they can't catch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, re- I remember uh, being at a camp one time and um, watching watching a, a wide receiver drills, and this coach, this old time coach, said, "Man, I see a bunch of great DBs out here." We were <laughs> yeah. in a wide receiver, and I was like, "Oh boy, that's not good. That's yeah. not a good thing." Pro Dogs having a good week. Savan Ahmed released by the San Francisco 49ers, reunited with his running buddy, uh, Miles Gaskin at Miami. And Miles seems to be having a pretty good camp at Miami. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to figure it out in the pro game. And, uh, sounds like it's, uh, catching up with Miles. He's having a good camp back in Miami. Yeah. Uh, now see, you're reading that and I've, I've read that too, but then I've read other people who think that he's going to be on the cut list when it comes down to the thing. So we'll just have to see. They did pick up, um, uh, the guy from uh, Philadelphia. I think he's, uh, Aaron Jones. No, I can't remember the name, um, off the top of my head, but they picked up a, a guy who was a co-starter in Philadelphia last year. They've got, uh, Matt Breda. They've got a few other guys that they, that they like quite a bit that are more of the every down backs than, than Miles Gaskin is seen as at this point. So I think he's got a bit of an uphill battle from what I've read, but I, one thing I'll never do is count out Miles Gaskin because when I thought he was a guy who we wouldn't see do very much, at least early on at the University of Washington, all he did was go out and rush for over 1300 yards every season that he played for the Washington Huskies and ended up as the uh, most prolific stat-wise running back to ever come out of the University of Washington. And that That's pretty good company right there. We saw posted out uh, some uh, pro dogs that signed some big contracts. Sh- Shaq Thompson signed a big con- contract. 
Desmond Trufant signed a big contract. Buda Baker signed a big contract. But uh, some big contracts being signed. And, you know, I think the next guy in line is probably going to be Kevin King uh, with Green Bay. Oh, yeah. We'll yep. See what happens with Kevin. And then when you take a look at Byron Murphy, he will be into his second year. So this is a year if he steps up that uh, at the end of this year, he could get that big contract extension. And uh, then Vita Vea is out there as well. But uh, a lot of pro dogs out there from the Chris Peterson area starting to not only step up, but cashing in as well. It's fun to watch, Chris. It is. And just to add a little bit more on the Miami thing, yeah, I, like Scott, I would not put it past uh, Miles Gaskin to make that team and, and do something special this year because what I found really interesting is that, yeah, they added Savon Ahmed. That makes four Pac-12 running backs that Miami has. If you add Kalen Bellage, who was a Arizona State kid, and then uh, Patrick Laird from California, and those guys are hurt right now. And if those guys continue to be hurt and Miles and, and Breda and, and, and guys like Savon are the only ones that are left, it may be by default that a guy like Miles gets on that team. So, um, we'll see what happens, but I have a feeling that if Miles does get an opportunity, he started to show it last year, scored a couple touchdowns near the end of the season and was doing some really nice things. So I think that, uh, the future is really, really bright. And then again, another guy we haven't talked about as far as products that's making moves as a rookie is, uh, Nick Harris at Cleveland. Um, you know, JC Treader is the, the center for Cleveland who's hurt right now and all indications. I haven't checked in the last 24 hours or so, but last time I checked, uh, there's every indication to think that Nick Harris may be the starting center for Cleveland when they play at Baltimore here in a few weeks. So, uh, I think that's going to be really, really interesting to see how that goes with Nick too. Hey, Chris, I think every NFL locker room needs a Nick Harris personality. Oh yeah. He, you know, trench dog. He's a, he's a, He's a guy that just doesn't give any, you know, I mean, he, he gives no Fs, you know, I mean, he's just, he's going to get in there and he's going to maul and he's going to scrap and he's going to do everything possible to, you know, keep that guy from getting to his quarterback. And we saw that for four years and uh, I don't expect that to change anytime soon in Cleveland. One, one guy we didn't mention was Corey Littleton too. He signed a big contract uh, this year yep. going over to the Raiders. Yeah. Yep. And then he, he who shall not be named also got a contract extension. I guess he doesn't want to be associated with Washington anymore, but there's other guys out there. Too. You got blocked. I did. Mark Peters. <laughs> That's Mark why I'm Allison, not mentioning you know, him. I'm, I'm I staying like away. I I'm like trying Marcus. to be good. <laughs> I, I think we all like Marcus, but he's not liking UW or anybody yeah. associated with it right now. Yeah, sometimes he takes a hit to the head. Some screws get loose, and uh, you know, eventually they get back. Hey, well, I was under you know, the everything was good because you know he had gotten invited back to the to the combine okay. day at yeah. uh, the Dempsey, and I thought all I, I thought all that all that water had kind of gone under the bridge and and everything was good, but man, I was I was dead wrong. Maybe maybe that was under Chris Peterson, but now that Jimmy Lake is the head coach, and I know that Marcus supposedly had had uh, some issues with Jimmy, maybe that's why. Could I've be. seen, yeah. I've seen him back. On, he's been on the sideline of games within the last year, year and a half. I've seen him back on the sidelines. Everything's all good. You know. Yeah, so. this may be a, this may be just a Jimmy beef. Yeah, I'm not not exactly sure. It, it did come out of the blue a little bit for me, but what Scott you just said makes makes some sense. It's Marcus. It might have just been Tuesday. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just Marcus. And, and by the way, I just want to be, be real clear. When he was here. I, he was always gracious to us. He was always a great interview. Absolutely. I mean, he was problem. never had an issue. He was outgoing, gregarious, charming. I mean, he's a great guy to interview, but 
he definitely had an anger anger streak. And, well, after you know. after uh, Desmond Trufant left, because he graduated, I think either Marcus's Marcus's redshirt freshman year was Desmond's last year with UW. I think I, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly, but I think that's what it was. And I wrote up a story on the next great Husky cornerback, and it was going to be him. And he, I was getting ready to interview him after a, a fall camp practice, and he said, "Hey." You're the one that wrote that story on me, right? And, and being the next week quarterback. And I said, yeah. And he goes, my mom loved that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, he, he never had a problem with us until Chris retweeted something. So also yeah. real quick, I just wanted to make sure that, uh, we gave some props out to a, to a, to a local guy who's, who's making a big comeback now, Will Disley. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Will does, but he's been through a lot with a couple of injuries the last couple of years. And if he can start playing, you know, pain free and, and start stringing some games together, I think we could see something special from Will too. So there's certainly a ton of uh, storylines out there as far as if there's no college football right now in the short term for Washington fans, there's certainly a lot of Washington guys in the NFL that they can watch and pay attention to. Hey, Scott, it seems like uh, Washington has done real well with guys who've committed to other schools and wound up at Washington. Bishop Sankey, Joe Tryon, Buda Baker, and now it looks like they got themselves another one who was initially committed to and actually signed with USC in Jack Yerry, the son of um, Hall of Famer Ron Yerry. And I thought Ron Yerry was really, really old, so um, he must have had him late in life. But uh, Jack Yerry... Uh, officially announced by University of Washington earlier this week. What is he, 6'6", 250? Yeah, 255 is what it says, yeah. Yeah, and I just keep on looking at him and saying, is he Austin Safarian Jenkins or is he Joe Toledo? Is he going to be able to maintain that weight and stay at tight end or is he going to add that natural weight we all seem to when we get a little bit older and turn himself into a left tackle? What do you think? Yeah, um, but – Oh, I think that's one of the reasons why USC, why he isn't at USC anymore, because he felt like USC lied to him. And uh, I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's the gist I've gotten from people behind the scenes on that. Um, that being said, you know, um, I, I think that is the $64,000 question is, you know, is he going to be that guy that grows himself into a tackle? Now, one thing, if you ask Scott Huff what the toughest thing to find out here on the West Coast, definitely, but just in general across the country, it's guys with tackle bodies. And by that, I mean guys who are over 6'5", who are in the 6'6", 6'7", range, and can can be about 300 pounds, have that length, have the, that reach, all that you want in your tackles. Now, a guy like Vic Kern is going to play for Scott Huff at 6'3", at, at right tackle most likely. But, um, you know... For the most part, you want guys who are six five, six six, six seven, and that can really have that reach. Well, Scott Huff will tell you that it, that is really hard to find out here, especially on the West Coast. And for him to be able to get his hands on a guy like Gary, if he's willing to become an, uh, a lineman, I think that's going to be huge. But I think initially he'll start playing for Durham, Cato, at tight end. He'll be in that loaded tight end room that they're that they've got right now. He and Mark Redman make a really nice duet, and then you throw in uh, Mason uh, West, who can be a pretty good receiver and blocker in his own right, um, who isn't quite the high-profile guy that the other two are. But 
Um, they have a really loaded tight end room. They've got another uh, loaded room coming in with Caden Jumper and and Quentin Quentin Moore. So um, yeah, I I think there's a decent chance that he winds up at offensive line before it's all said and done. We'll just have to see how much weight he puts on. I think that's going to be the key, Scott. Yeah, it really it really is, and I think another key is going to be. Who does Scott Huff get to come in, in in the next couple of classes? Because uh they took um fi- uh what do they take five guys in the in the last class? You've got Roger Rosengarten and Sam Peabody as your as or I'm sorry Sam Peacock as your two tackle prospects out of that class. You've got Garen Hatchett and um Miles Morale, who are both interior guys and guard Memoir has the body of a tackle, but he's more of a guard as well. So. Um, you know, Robert Worsh is the only tackle in this class because Owen Prentice is set to to play inside once he gets to the University of Washington for 2021. So maybe they do wind up moving Jack Gary over just because they like the fact that that they could get another tackle body. But that would give them six linemen in the 2020 recruiting class. I just don't know if you can overload your your class like that and be so top heavy in one class. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But it wouldn't surprise me if he winds up there. And Scott, I think we might be seeing a little bit of an evolution here where, you know, things change where we see safeties, you know, um, being closer to the line as linebackers. But you take a look at what the Seahawks did with George Fant. He was a tight end, but he got big enough where they would bring him in in that three tight end set. And he wasn't only just a tight end, but he was, you know, go up and actually play as an extra tackle up there. And then he was able also to get out in some passing routes. So we may see a little bit of an evolution on a guy like Jack Yeri where He's a tight end, but uh, he can grow big enough to be that guy. I mean, George Fan, did you did you know how much money he signed for this year as a free agent? Did you see what I he got? Did, I didn't look. I didn't. Ten look. mil, ten wow. mil, ten mil. You know, but that, you had that versatility where you can play in line as a tackle and also you know line up as a tight end and get out in some pass routes. That gives you a lot of versatility, and we may be seeing that you know with a guy. I mean, he'd be if if anybody, he's a candidate to be somebody like that. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is. I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. George Fant didn't even play college football, though, did he? Or did he play one year? Uh, I think he Western played. Kentucky, he was a basketball player at Western Kentucky, right? Yeah, and when Western Kentucky was here and heck ed playing, you know, he um, took them all to the team state an extra day, and they uh, all went to the Seahawk game, and George Fant was sitting front and center with the uh, Western basketball team, which was kind of cool, but yeah, yeah George is a big dude. Yeah, <laughs> he is a big, physical, athletic guy. He's a big dude. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Um, hey, Scott, um, do we want to jump into the, a little bit of basketball stuff or do we want to jump into recruiting? What, so why, don't you do, why don't you do basketball? Uh, Paulo Banchero from O'Day High School. Um, parents, both UW alums, uh, committed to Duke. We'll see if he actually winds up at Duke. He is a big possibility to wind up 
in the G League. Everybody I talked to, if the role was different and he could have gone straight to the NBA, that's what he would have done. He will definitely uh, be a one-and-done guy unless something strange happens. But he's a guy that, um, if he had committed to UW, would be a guy that would be on campus for four months. And when you take a look at what Washington has been um able to not do with the one and done guys, Isaiah Stewart, uh, Markel Fultz, Jaden McDaniels, um, Marquise Chris, DeJounte Murray, Spencer Hawes, and you can go all the way back. And uh, Chris, you've been around this too in order to see that they've never really had a situation where they can bring a one and done in where they've had a veteran upper class. And I think in order for that one and done to be successful, they have to have that established veteran leadership and bring the guy in instead of having a one and done guy come in and have to carry the water for the team, which is what has happened with all the one and done guys that have come in. It's just a weird dynamic for Washington for whatever reason. It's just never worked. And I don't, I don't know if it's, I mean, I know that that's kind of the latest thought is that they need to be around veteran guys. And, and I get that. But at the same time, um, how much of those guys, those one and done guys want to be role players? I mean, they want, they want the ball in their hands. They want to, they want to make it happen. They want to show that they're one and done. They're considered one and done for a reason. So, but, but for whatever, whatever the dynamic is, and it didn't matter if it was under Lorenzo Romar or Mike Hopkins, it just never worked. Um, so I, I don't know if, if Hop is going to shy away from getting those kind of guys, but we may see exactly what you're talking about, Kim, in the sense that he may have a veteran guy and if or a veteran team, and if, if there's one guy out there that they feel is kind of the missing piece, I suspect that they'll go for him guns blazing and 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 everything to, to try to get a guy like that. But at the same time, I don't I don't think people should read much into a guy like Paulo Banchero going away from Washington. It's just, it's, I don't know if the timing of it is just off or as you said, he's only going to be there for a few months anyways, regardless of where he was going to go. But it, it just, it, for some reason, even though I know we talked a, a lot about it being a, a real possibility in the end, it just never felt like it was going to be in the cards. And Scott, one of the things I keep on hearing, and I don't know if you're hearing the same thing with as many of the football recruits, but there's a definite vibe within the um, high school players to get away from home and blaze their own trail. We've seen this fad go where they feel like they need to go, get away from home and then feel the need to be back home. We see this quite a bit, and we've seen these shifts. But, uh, you know, Nolan Hickman going to Kansas, and we kept on hearing that he might be one a guy that blazes his own trail and get away from Seattle. We saw it with Eric Stevenson and Cole Bajima wanting to get away, blaze their own trail, and they're back at the University of Washington. So, um, you know, when we take a look at a guy like Paulo and Nolan Hickman and even a guy like Shane Noel, who's still at Eastside Catholic, they're also really tight with uh, JT Tuomalau. And, again, we're starting to see this little bit of a thing where getting away from home and blazing your own trail might be kind of a trend right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's really hard to say, especially I mean, look, Paolo is going to be there, like you said, Kim, for four months, four or five months on campus. And that's about it. And um, so maybe maybe it's easier to make that decision when you're only going to be gone for six months and then you can go on to the NBA. 
But a guy like JT, while he probably will play basketball wherever he ends up, or at least try wherever he ends up signing, he's going to be on campus for four or for three years minimum, if not four, if not five. I mean, depending on how things go. So if that's the case, I think it's, I think it's apples and oranges when you're looking at football recruits and basketball recruits and the decisions they make. I think basketball recruits are only seeing it as being gone for four to six months, whereas a football player knows he's going to be gone for three, maybe even four or five years. Yeah. And that, that's a tougher thing to decide to go away from home than it would be if you're only going to be gone for four to six months. So. I, I mean, I, I don't know if we can read too much into it at this, this point, especially I've heard so many people say that they think that a lot of these kids are going to start staying, you know, reversing course and staying a little bit closer to home because of COVID, not because they're worried about getting sick themselves, but because they're worried about family members being sick and them not being able to travel very easily to get home and see them or be with them or take care of them. When you take a look like John Ross, you know, left the Cincinnati Bengals camp uh, because his son and uh, wife had caught COVID and being away from home when there's uh, family issues is tough. And JT's really tight with his family. And Scout, you've talked about it before, how many people are in the stands watching his game. And boy, it's tough to it's tough to fight family at times. It is. It is. And. The scary thing for Husky fans should be that Oregon is only a five-hour drive down down I-5, and um, that might be the solution for him to stay close to home, but where he feels like he's on a national not in a national spotlight. So Washington has work to do with him. I think they are going to be in this all the way to the end, and I think they can still win this recruiting battle and and get him, but it's not this give me it's not this real easy thing he is going to be a kid that you that the huskies are going to have to sell that they can they they're they're they meet all the criteria he's looking for and right now oregon's doing a good job of that in washington i don't want to say they're doing a bad job i just don't i don't know if they're able to sell it as well as oregon is Stick to recruiting a little bit. You had a chance. There was a seven-on-seven event um, yesterday up at Taiyi High School, kind of loosely put together by some of the players. But you had a chance to see some of the guys, including Sam Heward, Jabez Tanay. Um, I just remember the first time I saw Sam throw a football, and I go, and I just couldn't believe how, you know, effortless it looked. And he was only uh, an eighth grader, and he was about 150 pounds. But uh, how's Sam Heward looking these days? Uh, he's he definitely does not look like the doughy kid we saw come in. He's he's put on some muscle. He looks toned. He looks ready to go. Talked to him just briefly, kind of off the record stuff, and uh, he said he went and boxed with uh, Savelle Smalls the other day, <laughs> and uh, he said Savelle looks huge. Like he's like, oh my gosh, that guy is so big now. It is. He goes, it is ridiculous how much bigger he got in just being there for, you know, three months now and working out with the team and everything like that. So he, he's like, he is going to do some damage this year. And, um, you know, Sam just looked great throwing the ball. Uh, hey, just I, real quick. I know yeah. that there's always, you know, we don't hear the people talking about Sam's size anymore. Size isn't an issue with Sam, is it? I don't think so. I, I mean, he's legit 6'2", if not close to 6'3". Um, he's... 
Boy, I think he's over 200. My, what is he? I don't know what he's listed at. I haven't looked in the database in a while, but he's got to be 205, 210, somewhere in that range. It wouldn't surprise me if he's in that, that, about that size. Yeah, he's gotten big. And if anybody's ever had a boxing workout, I don't think people understand how hard that is. That's a full body workout. That's not just your upper body, man. That is everything. It's That's legs. Core. It's core. It's, yeah, it's everything. Yeah. Well, anybody jump out at you or anybody just um, kind of catch your eye? You know, I mean, Chance Bogan, uh, the Curtis, Bo- or it's Curtis Bogan, right? Yeah. Okay. Curtis Bogan's son, uh, who played for the University of Washington for a while and now his son, Chance Bogan is, he played at Wilson last year. He's transferred to Lincoln and he was out there. Man, I don't know if that guy stopped talking the whole time I was there. I was there for almost two hours and he never stopped talking. And he wasn't talking necessarily trash, although I hear, heard he does a lot of that too. But it was more just jabbering with friends and talking with people and seeing people. I think a lot of these kids just liked being able to see some of their friends who they haven't gotten out and been able to see very much of the last, what, what is it? Five, almost five months now that, that they've, that they've been locked down. So I think that was a big thing for, for chance to get out there and see guys. He runs like a wide receiver, got a big frame. He is not going to be your 6'6", 240-pounder that's going to go down the field and beat you that way. He's He is a more – I think he's a, probably a more athletic. As as athletic as Hunter Bryant was, I think Chance Bogan might be more athletic than he was um, at the same stage. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But, man, he's a, he's a good-looking athlete. Jabari Johnson, the 2023 quarterback – from Lincoln, who everybody's been talking about. He's one of the top guys in the country for that class. I I watched him throw, looks really good, has great mechanics, um, good arm, can throw pretty much every pass you want him to throw. Um, it's real hard with seven on seven because their footwork is so lazy because they're not being pass rushed. They're not, you know, you're not having to do as much stuff and all this and all that. And so, uh, you know, for, but this is my first chance really getting to see him because I saw him in a couple games and didn't really think much of him because he didn't really throw the ball when I saw him. So um, he's listed at six two one seventy five. I would bet he's closer to six foot two hundred. That was just by looking at it, uh, eyeing him. That's what he looked like to me is about six foot two hundred. Um, I'm five ten and he isn't much much um, bigger than or much bigger than me. So. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, I, I just, I really, really liked what I saw from him though, the way he threw the ball. Uh, Will Latu was there. Uh, he was playing with Lincoln. He's not playing this year, obviously, for Bethel, but he was out there just kind of goofing around with some of his friends. He looks much more fit than he's been. Jabez Tanay. Um, I would say that most of these kids look a little softer than they normally would this time of year because they haven't been in the, the school led training programs. So, um, I think you'll see them start to really pick it up now that they can, or once they can start doing team related stuff and everything, which will, I think they start in January, I think is when they're going to start doing that for the high schools. So, um, we'll see, uh, junior, uh, Alexander looked really good, uh, had a couple nice catches, I'm trying to think other guys, um, Mc, is it Justin McCarron? I can't remember his name, the kid from Archbishop Murphy. He was down playing with Lincoln for a little bit, um, just to kind of come down and get some work in. He's, committed to Virginia, but uh good looking outside linebacker guy, a little on the thin side, a little narrower than I than I thought. But uh overall good day. 
Um, they're supposed to be doing these, uh, if not every week, then every other week, and they're going to try and just get out and do some work together and get together. These can't be coach-led, so it was player-led, so it was a little uh, like cats trying to hurt other cats. So it was, it was, uh, it wasn't the prettiest organization from that standpoint. But they're just out there having fun, and you could tell the smiles. I, I was talking to Damon on the sidelines. He was down there watching Sam. And he said, I don't think I've seen a smile on my kid this big since last year. So, um, yeah, he, it, these kids needed this. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Recruiting update, Scott. Anything you need to talk about? Anything upcoming? Anything to look forward to? Um, well, I think there's going to be a commitment from a kid here in the next week or so. Um, so keep an eye out for that. One more 2021 guy. Washington's getting real low on numbers, maybe just two or three spots left total. Um, and things are going to start heating up with 2022 guys. I talked to uh, a guy, the top guy from Hawaii, Tevarua Tafiti, a linebacker from Punahou. He is, he loves Washington. And I, I, I would say, just by my conversation with him and some of the things that he said to me and the way he talked about him, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington's the leader right now. I don't know that for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Um, other than that, um, you know, we're going to roll out a lot of 2022 boards, um, you know, Washington's early boards for a lot for the 2022 class and, and just talk about things. I'm also going to be following the couple guys who are going to have seasons, uh, that are committed to the University of Washington. You got Void Tanufi. To, to and you've got Caleb Berry. Tanufi's already started his. I think he's going on week three, uh, playing, being played later tonight. And then, uh, Caleb Berry will, um, will start his season on, he'll start camp on the seventh, I believe. And then his first game is on the 25th. So those are the only two that I'm aware of that are playing that are Washington guys. And, uh, we'll just have to see about the rest. Chris, anything we're missing? No, just I would say on the, <laughs> You know, like Jack Yerry, for instance, whether he's going to play tight end or offensive line, the one thing that stood out for me watching his tape is that he can really, really run. And at that size, a kid that can really, really run like that, you know, you, I would think they would do everything in their power to try to keep him at tight end if possible. It seems like that's where he wants to be. And he could be a great dual threat target in the kind of in the mold of a Kate Otten, for instance, as opposed to maybe a Hunter Bryant, because, you know, I think Mark Redmond kind of fits that mold a little bit more. So, you know, when you need those dual threat guys at tight end to match up with the guys that can be threats down the field, for instance. But I think with his straight ahead speed, I think he can be really, really good down the field as well. And then I'd also just say in regard to, you know, you were talking about a possible trend in terms of guys thinking that going outside of the the footprint is is the way to go and what have you. I mean, we saw this last year even with guys like Savelle Smalls, for instance, you know, where he thought that maybe going going away was going to be the right call and eventually they came around and so I you know, I think if 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 the program itself was not doing very well, that would be one thing. But the program is doing well right now. And the program's putting guys into the NFL. 
So if you're talking about a guy like JT Tumalau and you've got a coach like Salavea down at, at Oregon that's saying you can put guys in the league, well, Kai Malloy has put guys in the league too. So I, I'm not really sure, um, you know, if, if that's going to be a, a so-called trend or if that's really still just kind of person to person, player to player, recruit to recruit, just how they're feeling at the time. And I still think that when it's all said and done, there's so many twists and turns when it comes to the recruitment of guys like Tuamalau, as well as a Mecca Igbuka, for instance, that, um, I don't think you can make any real clear cut calls on any of those guys. Scott Eklund, anything we've missed? Uh, nothing off the top of my head, you know, just, <laughs> it's going to be the weirdest fall I've ever experienced in my 49 years on this planet. <laughs> I'll tell you that it's, this is so weird. We got an election coming up. We've got COVID. We've got murder hornets. We've got everything. This 2020 needs to end. That's all I have to say. Uh, just one more thing I'm hearing. Um, I'm starting to sense a lot of frustration with a lot of the high school football players. Um, a lot of them want to play football. Uh, don't be surprised if there is, um, I don't know if a protest, but expect a gathering at some point with uh, WIA from uh, a lot of high school football players because um, they want to play football. You know, So we'll see where that goes. So don't be shocked if that happens with the WIAA. And uh, the only hope I have for that is Mike Colbrice is no longer there. So maybe they'll actually have somebody that will listen to them. So we'll see where that goes. So, um if you're wanting those daily updates, we haven't been as good at that because it's been a little bit slow. But uh, shoot us a email at huskystadium at gmail.com. We'll give you any of those breaking news alerts, and we'll keep you up to speed and just a lot of stuff coming up. And, um, hey, Chris, we won't dive into it. It might be time for another podcast. The Pac- Big Ten is talking about um, addressing uh, playing again, you know, a little bit later this year. So we can maybe dive into that on another podcast and Scott was it this is the final week and then they're going to take three weeks off at UW is that the schedule I I thought it was the first week I thought it was uh, Labor Day weekend you know that that week was when it started but I could be wrong okay at some point they're going to take you know well I've already noticed whether you look at you know their social media I've seen a lot of guys that are already home Okay, so then that's, it's probably already started then. Yeah, so I, I think that 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 time's already kind of come because you've got to remember too they do have they do have fall quarter that's starting to come up, um, you know, with middle middle to the end of September. So they you know this would kind of be in line with that. All right. Well, just keep it right here at dogman.com. We'll keep you up to date with any breaking news and just what's going on, football, basketball, recruiting. You can always count on us. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.